Oh. Ready. Nice to see you in summer mode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good morning, Richard. How are you? Okay, so we are on the last line on Ayin Tess Summit Base, 79B, Tanya, Rebbe Omar, and now we're on today's page. Good morning. So we're on the top of Peyom and Aleph. Okay. Good morning, Michael. How are you doing? Good morning. Okay, thank God, thank God. Okay. So um, the Gemara begins the following. Kol Hashirim, the real question is, we said that you're not allowed to eat uh, the size of a large date, Kosevas Hagasa. And we said that uh, it, it includes the size of the pit, meaning that you look at that size and then of the large date, and then you bring that over into whatever food a person's eating. And as long as he's less than that, he hasn't violated the Torah amount. Unless you say, by the way, we had one view that even when you eat less, it's called Chatsi Shir Asr Mena Torah. But he doesn't, he doesn't get cut off for less than that amount. So the question is, where did we get that amount from? And now the Gemara is going to examine a food amounts. Kol Hashirim, all the amounts on all other forbidden foods, kulim bekezayis, they're all an olive size. Let's say, for example, eating non-kosher, eating milk and meat, eating shrimp, they're all an olive size, except mitumus ochlin. Now, in the, the laws of becoming impure by eating food, that's actually more than an olive size person eats a dead carcass or whatever, so uh, so that's a little different. Shashina Kosov, the verse uses a different language over there, and we'll explain what it is, but it uses a different expression by uh, the laws of eating uh, impure foods. Shashina Kokan Bashirim, and therefore, since the Torah used a different word, it didn't just say eat it, uh, therefore, the, the amount is different. Now, where else do you see that there should be a different amount? You see the proof uh, from Yom Kippur, meaning that all forbidden foods are one amount, an olive size. The laws of impurity, we'll see that's a different amount. And then the laws of Yom Kippur are a third amount. But how do we know that they're not all the same? Uh, from Yom Kippur. My Shina Hakasa. What, what does the Torah say different about Yom Kippur? Because it doesn't say, do not eat. It uses a very funny expression, Melo Se'una. Do not become unafflicted. <laughs> that sounds like a funny word. Do not become unafflicted, right? Melo suuna. Do not unafflict yourself. That's uh, that's the. It doesn't say don't eat on Yom Kippur. You're supposed to afflict. Don't unafflict. And why? And how is that different than the amount regularly used for other forbidden things? Because bekosevus, it's this large date. Umai raya and uh, where do you see that the, the, um, uh, that, the, the, that there's a different amounts for different things? That's from Yom Kippur. Um, now, why don't we learn out from the fact that it uses a different term for the eating of none of tumas uh, foods that make you tummy? So the Morris said, I would have said over there by the impure foods, it's not so strange. It's just a little bit different. I would have said it's just the normal part of the Pasuk. Um, and uh, that's why we need to know from Yom Kippur that it's more than that, that there are different amounts. How much is the rule for Tumas Ochem? That's Kabeah. That's an egg size. Um, there, there, basically, again, there's standard, all the cases, many cases in the Torah, the Torah says do not eat. That's an olive size. By Yom Kippur, it says do not afflict. 
uh, do not unafflict. That's the big date. And then by Tumas Ochlin, it uses a different term, which we're going to bring down in a second. That's Kabea. That's an egg size. Menelin, um, how did they know Tumas Ochlin? It said the following thing any food that you eat. Now, the funny part of that Pusik is what do you mean any food that's food? Any food, any Ochel Asher Yochel. So we darshan that. Ochel Abamachmos Ochel. It's a food. Um, and again, it's very nuanced. What the Gemara is saying is if we didn't have the fact that the amount to break the fast on Yom Kippur is different than other eatings, I wouldn't have known to darshan that the amount of food to make the body impure is also different. Uh, the way we darshan it is, it's a food which comes from a food. What is that? Oh, uh, that's Beitzet Tardigolus. That's a standard chicken egg. The chicken is food, and its egg is food. So the Torah was hinting to us that the amount uh, that a person eats uh, and would become impure is the uh, food that comes from the food. So again, we all know our Gemara. Our Gemara is going to challenge that. Imagdi. Um well, a goat, a baby goat, comes from a big goat, and you could eat that baby goat, so that's a food from food. So the Mara said, yeah, but mechusr shkita, you got to shecht it first, one problem. <laughs> the good news about an egg, I guess, um, is you, all you got to do is eat it. Now, you might say you got to cook it. There's always, I don't know, if, when we grew up, there was this movie called Rocky, where he used to eat raw eggs to get in shape for uh, 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 boxing or whatever. So all you got to do is shecht it, and if you feel like eating a... What? Right, right, right. That's right. Yeah, there's a there's a legend about a chazan doing that on Yom Kippur, which is exactly the point. Right? Uh, so the, uh, the Morris says, but there is one kind of animal that's kosher even without shkita. That's called the ben pakua. Uh, we'll get into this in Chulin. Basically, if you shecht an animal, once you shecht it, everything inside that animal is shechted. So if you shecht an animal and you happen to find that the animal was pregnant. And there's a baby inside, so, and that baby doesn't need shkita. Um, even if the baby is alive and, and uh, walks and talks, it doesn't walk and talk, if it makes animal noises, it's still kosher. So it's kind of uh, interesting. There's somebody in Australia that wanted to breed a herd of Ben Pakuas. Uh, and then this way you'd have, you could use the hindquarters because there is no hindquarters of a Ben Pakua. Um, just think about that for a second. When you shecht an animal, so you have to remove its sciatic, its gidhanasha, and you have to remove its uh, forbidden fats. But what's inside the mother's stomach, the pregnant calf, that's not uh, gidhanasha, and that's not forbidden fat. So that little calf that's there uh, doesn't have forbidden fat or sciatic, because it's really part of a shechted animal. And so this person wanted to create a whole herd of them and then have sirloin steaks. Uh, you can probably read about him on the internet. The Rabbanim in Australia weren't real happy with him. But, uh, but that's this concept of Ben Pakua. So Lumara said, yeah, but still, Toin Kriya, even if you don't shaft it, you've got to kill it somehow. You know, it's, it's not ready to go. So then the Gemara says, all right, we agree that a food from a food is an egg. Uh, why would you pick a small... A chicken egg, maybe it's a bar yochni. It's a really big egg. Um, the interesting thing is the yochni is a one of these mystical creatures, uh, just like we had the lev which is the huge fish. 
there's a yochni, which is a huge bird. R- Rashi uh, takes it literally here, which I didn't think it was literal, but Rashi uh, quotes from it. Rashi quotes from it, Rashi certainly. Uh, he says, uh, Rashi says, Debar yochni, right? Of gadohu, like it's shetova beitzasa shishim krakim. When its uh, egg broke, 60 cities were flooded. That's a big bird. <laughs> Whatever that means. I don't know what that means. But at any rate, uh, Morris' question is, well, maybe it's Big Bird. <laughs> Who said if you pick an egg, it's a tiny chicken egg, it might be Big Bird egg. So Morris' fasta move below to fasta. It's a famous rule. Like, why would, why would it be the largest egg that ever, we ever heard of? It's not going to be that. So then it's faster. Uh, you take the small egg. So the Gemara said, all right, small egg. It's a hummingbird egg. So I never saw a hummingbird egg. Maybe Michael's seen a hummingbird egg. It's a, it's a very tiny, very, like a tiny, it probably looks like a marble or something. Um, I have no idea. Oh, no idea. Okay. All right. But it's uh, some kind of tiny egg. So maybe that's the egg that you shouldn't eat. The zuter tube, it's very small. He says, no, it says, It's normally a food, the, that the most food you can eat in one shot. The Chazal understood that you can't eat more than one egg in, in your throat at one time. In other words, if you were to, t- to try to swallow two eggs, whole eggs, the average person couldn't do that. And so it understood, like, the egg is like the perfect swallow. Like, it's uh, the average person, that's, uh, um, if they were to eat an egg whole, that would be more than they... So that's the hint to it, that when they were looking for which amount the Torah meant, it was the egg size for the impurity. Um, Okay, so I just want to mention, what kind of impurity are we talking about? Typically, that's like a, um, it's a bird, the carcass. Over there, there are certain laws if a person eats a carcass, uh, what, what the status would be. But we're not really going into that at the moment. But that, those are, again, those are the three amounts. You have the egg size for the carcass that would make a kohen tummy. And then you have the, yom kippur, the regular eating, which is the olive size. And then you have the Yom Kippur amount, which is the big date. He says a fascinating thing. Let's say by mistake you goofed. Now, by the way, it's a lot easier than you think. In those days, most people, they didn't pay butchers to do the work for them. They, all they, in the most, they, um, many people learn shkita, but you would just have the shokat check your animal, and the shokat wouldn't cut away the fat, and he wouldn't soak it and salt it. That's for you to do. What happened is they came to America, and nobody likes to do work. And they discovered that the housewives want to buy uh, the meat ready to go, soaked, salted, deveined, everything. And so they do that, and then the price of meat. Um, oh, Dr. Yaffe says that the eggs are the size of a small jelly bean. Is that the word that you had there? Um, but uh, okay, it's, again, it's a tiny, tiny egg. Um, so, but at any rate, the butchers do all that. But in the old days, you would have your meat, even, you would, even if you had someone shecht it, you'd pick up your beef, and you would just cut off the devein, the fats that you weren't allowed to eat. And especially if you, uh, they wouldn't throw away the hindquarters, they would spend hours and hours and hours removing the forbidden fats. Now, uh, sometimes uh, once you cut a piece of meat, you don't remember if that was the forbidden fat or the permitted fat. They all look the same. 
And by the way, fat just means a fatty piece of meat. So it very easily you could, by mistake, eat one of the pieces that had the forbidden fat on. If it wasn't trimmed, then you thought that was the, the, from the kosher part and that was from the non-kosher part. So what happens if a person, by mistake, ate that forbidden fat, chas v'shalom? So uh, guess what? Uh, now they've got to bring an offering. And uh, the only problem is we don't have the base of Migdash. So um, uh, what should they do? So sir, So he says um, you should write down exactly how much you ate, because we don't have the base of Migdash now. And Mirz uh, Hashem, when the base of Migdash is rebuilt, and you want to fix that sin, and you're going to say, well, I want to bring a korban in the base of Migdash to fix any sins I might have. I might have eaten forbidden fat. And they're going to look at that and they're going to say, wait a second, how much did you eat? And uh, they may decide that it's a different amount. Because we, we're, we're, we, we're strict because we're not sure. They may say you didn't eat enough forbidden fat. So Morris says, what does it mean you might eat too much? Uh, they might increase the amount. Um, and so again, th- this has to do with how sure are we, what size are we dealing with? How big is the egg? How big is the olive? Um, the olive, what is the, maybe the amounts, uh, there are different opinions about how do you measure amounts. Uh, we're all familiar with the, um, the famous Chazanish, uh, was a great rabbi in B'nai Brak, but somehow his amounts were much bigger than everybody else's, for the most part. And so that's... Uh, Whenever somebody has like a really big piece of matzah, they say they're eating a chazanish shir. Uh, that's the, uh, so maybe you'll come to the base in the base of Migdash and say, well, I only ate a tiny a size about this big, and here's my offering. And they're going to say, that's, that offering's not an offering. You're not required because we require a larger amount. So you better write it down. You're not going to remember, you know, when Shia comes, you're going to be pretty busy, and you might not remember exactly how much you ate when you were younger, so write it down. So what does it mean you might not remember? If you want to say uh, that maybe you're going to be in trouble for eating a small olive, this is the Pasuk that talks about a person who makes a mistake. He does something by mistake, and he's guilty. He, he's doing something that he's going to have to bring an offering. But the way it works is, Hashem Mitiyaso, if he were to have known at that moment that uh, somebody would say, stop, you're eating from the wrong steak, you're eating the forbidden fat part, so then maybe korban ashkagaso. But if at that time, lo shave midiaso, you would not have stopped doing what you're doing, ain't maybe korban ashkagaso. If at that time they would have told you that you don't, uh, you're eating less than the amount, it can't be that a later basin is going to throw the book at you. Basically, you you go by the base din that you're at. Maybe what they meant was that you won't be obligated uh, unless you bring a bit. Question is, would they? Uh, would it be that the base din later will be stricter, or will it be that the base din later will be more lenient? Now, the, what what will happen when the base of English comes? Is it going to be well? You you're going to say, "I was safe. I only ate a tiny piece," and they're going to say, "Hmm." What size was that? Well, no, we, we paskin that even a small olive you're going to have to bring. Or is it the problem the other way around? You're going to say, I ate a regular olive, and the base in a guttle is going to say, no, no, in Eretz Yisrael these days, we go by very big, um, we know in the Chumash that they had very big fruits. 
uh, right, from the spies. So what if the sizes change? <laughs> so at first we were worried maybe it's too small. Now we're worried maybe that it's going to be bigger. Um, uh, that, w- that was the concern. But if you say that um, you're going to have to bring an offering on a small one, my, uh, use the word, they're going to increase the size. So Lamar said, Well, if they increase the size, we're saying maybe they'll find uh, other, other problems. Meaning, the, oh, there was blood in there, or maybe there's fat in there, or you re- never, you have person who sins has to be very careful. They never know. They're going to have to have it analyzed, and uh, so they should write down exactly what they do. Okay. Omar Rebbe, it's a subject for a different time, and that is, if you did a sin now, uh, do you owe it? What's going to happen? Uh, a famous Gemara where somebody tilted the lamp, um, I think it was Rebbe Shmuel on Shabbos, and he wrote down, he set aside money to bring an offering as soon as the Beis HaMikdush is rebuilt. Do we hold like that? Should you do that if a person ever uh, was obligated? Well, what about if you, um, let's say a person is obligated in a Thanksgiving offering. So do you put the money aside? Like uh, what happens at the end, you know, Beis HaMikdush is built 20 years from now. Are we all going to, we're probably all going to have to bring lots of offerings. Where is that money? <laughs> Right, I'm right, <laughs> right. So my question is, like, you know, if you put the money aside, are you going to have access? Will the banks be open? In other words, Mashiach is going to come, and you have in Wells Fargo. <laughs> and which currency was that? <laughs> right, that's right. So how do you guarantee it'll be, uh, you know? Now, what if you had a lamb? Even more so, is the lamb going to go to Eretz Israel so you could bring it? Or, like, you know, what? So I, I don't know. Those are all, all interesting questions. Okay. Om Rabbi Yochanan, Shiru Ba'onchen Halacha Moshe Mishinai. He says these amounts and the punishments, those we only know, those are part of the things that were handed down, Moshe Rabbeinu Messinai. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? Onshin Niktuk's the Torah says what the punishments are. Death, uh, this, that, makus, al hakikama. So you're right. Shirim shel onshin. But how much do you got to do to get the punishment? That's not written in the Torah. In other words, it's true, we know certain things you get a whooping, certain things you bring an offering, certain things you get cut off. But how much you got to do to do it, that's halacha Moshe Misina. Taninami hachi, we learn like this year, shom shalacha Moshe Misina. That was passed down Moshe Misina. some people say, bezden shal yaivis tiknam. The amounts, the original bezden, when they came into Eretz Yisrael, that was the bezden of yaivitz. He was the first shofet, the first judge uh, after Yoshua, they set it up. In other words, they wrote the rules for everybody to see. So Gemara says, well, what do you mean they wrote the rules? There's nothing new. So you can't write the rules. Some of them were forgotten. They, they put it into writing. They made sure they, they reviewed all of the uh, amounts. Uh, if you do this, this, there's this penalty. This is the requirement. Um, Let's look at Rashi. First wide line. Uh, the amount that if you do them, a person get punished, that's What is the amount? Next Rashi, Yaivitz, who as Neil Ben Kanaz. Yaivitz was a Sneel Ben Kanaz. That was his nickname. I thought that was Rabdavid 
Yeah, that's his. That's the name. There's a local uh, a, a rabbi in our times who uses that name for his farm. Yeah, Yavitz, uh, right? Okay, back to the Gemara. So, show some So, how much drinking would a person get the book through? And if he has a cheekful. So, we mostly been talking about the fig, the, I'm sorry, the date, and the uh, amount of the pit in the date. Now, we're going to talk about the cheekful on Yom Kippur for the liquids. It doesn't really mean a full cheek. He says, if you have the liquid on one side of your mouth and you want to push it to the other side, and then and then it'll look like both cheeks are full, that's a cheek full. It's an interesting way of measuring it. Basically, you have like so much in your cheek that if you try to move it a little bit, you're both of your... Um, both of your cheeks will be extended. I think that's the way it is. If you have a certain amount of liquid in your mouth, you naturally will blow up both of your cheeks. Next time you use your mouthwash or whatever, you'll see you go... It's like, a, I don't think we know how to do one side of the mouth. with. I know me, I can't do one side without the other uh, to extend the cheek. I think that's what he's saying. But you can't play with the words. It says one, it says, uh, one cheek. So, uh, I'm sorry, it says cheeks, so he's saying it's like the cheeks, which is a little bit less. So, now, wait a second, that, this is real important because we're going to throw the book at somebody who, who only filled one cheek because we're saying, well, if you fill one cheek, you're going to puff up both. So, how much you got to drink? Around uh, it's enough like a, it's a chewing amount. So, and would this be any different than our Mishnah, what looks like a cheekful? Here also, maybe this means a cheekful. But over here, it can't mean like a cheekful because there's another opinion. In other words, since there's two opinions, we thought one opinion is a full cheekful and the other one is like a cheekful. But... Um, since there's an opinion that it's like a cheekful, the other opinion is clearly a full cheekful. So how can you say that the other opinion is only a partial cheekful? So the Gemara says, uh, There's a, a strong cheekful and a medium cheekful. If you've ever seen a hot dog eating contest, you'll know what that means. <laughs> Meaning like there's, there's a cheekful and when you really squeeze in a little bit more. So... Yeah, I guess that would there 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 is a there is full and there is full. A dokuk means like really pushed. But then we got a different problem. Then it comes up. Beishame said uh, is is more lenient than Beis Hillel if if Beis Hillel has like a full cheekful. On my lays, we turn the page. They were talking about a big person. Uh, who has a big cheek. And so then Beishamai is strict and Beis Hillel is lenient, which is the way we normally understand it. Now, the Gemara has an interesting... How do you, what's the metaphor for a big person? So always in the Gemara, that was Og Melech He was the, the, the... In the ancient times, he was the... In the Chumash calls him a giant. So whenever you want to say a guy with a really big cheek, it's going to be Og Melech Okay. Maskivle, two lines from the top. Rivzei had a question in Maishna Achila. 
Why is it when it comes to eating on Yom Kippur? Every single person, me, you, Og, is, uh, the amount is a big date. Whereas when it comes to drinking, the there it's subjective to the person. In other words, if it's Og, he's going to have a much bigger cheek fill to throw the book at than me, who has a smaller cheek fill. So why is it for uh, solids, it's all the same? Whereas for liquids, it depends on the person. Why would there be a different criteria for Yom Kippur? Amalei Abaye, Abaye explains, Kimlu Rabbanim Bikoseves. The rabbis had a tradition. This word kimle means like they knew, or they had, it was understood, Bikoseves, that if a person is famished and he eats a fig, the Bahachi Mesiv Daita. If he eats at least that amount, he's not quite starving the same way. He's not quite afflicted. But less than the size of, I said, Fidib, less the size of a dried date, uh, of a big date, uh, less than that, he's still famished, he's still starving, he did nothing. It's got to be at least the size of this large fig. That's the rabbis had that tradition that eating a large fig takes away being famished. Bishtia, when it comes to drinking, Day, you need to drink the amount that uh, for your body. So, uh, what you need to drink will satisfy you. What your buddy needs to drink is not going to satisfy him. So, it's just an interesting concept that the solid is different than the liquid. Do you mean to tell me that every single person in the world, if they eat a date, a dry date, date, a date worth of food on Yom Kippur, they're in trouble. Because they're not fasting anymore. And Ogmelech Abashin, he's a giant, he has a bigger appetite. So why would that uh, big date be enough for Ogmelech Abashin? The rabbis had a tradition, that uh, people, when they eat this amount, that takes away the starving. Less than that will not do the trick. Mihu, uh, it's true, Kuli Almatuva, that for most people, a date is a big amount. But Ogbalagbashan, it's a little bit. But either way, you got to draw the line somewhere. And uh, they drew the line that, that all people, if they're starving and they eat a large date, they're no longer starving. Okay, that's what the Gemara says. Maskeve, now the Gemara wants to continue on. The fascinating idea. Shouldn't it depend on the type of food whether you're starving? Uh, the understanding was that, uh, I guess, uh, good fat meat, like a good steak, that'll satisfy you. So let's say you have a large date of steak, the Kosevis. Now, and let's say, on the other hand, you get some rabbit food, you get some salad, some uh, uh, grape leaves. Do you mean to tell me that that's the same amount? In other words, uh, if somebody gives you a person who's starving and they give them a, a date size of lettuce, of uh, grape leaves, on somebody who's starving and they give him a nice hunk of a good juicy steak, do you mean to say it's the same thing? So, Our rabbis have a, a tradition that this satisfies a person. But to me, less than that, lo mesiv daita. But, mihu baser shem they agree a good steak uh, seems like more, you'll be more filled, than lule gafan in porta. I, the way I understand it is you have to draw the line somewhere. And uh, there's a psychology to it. A person that eats something that's the size of a large date, they don't look at themselves as uh, starving. They did eat something. 
eating less than a, this large date, you're still starving, you ate nothing. Uh, I, is there a difference between a, a nice big piece of steak and a nice piece of le- and a little piece of lettuce? Yeah, there is a difference, but it's the psychological thing. And uh, the, the, the kimle, it means that they had a tradition that this is the right amount. Mas- somebody, give, Rabbi Stein, uh-huh. somebody were to give me a fatty piece of meat like, that tastes delicious, I'm not, that's all you're giving me. Psychologically, I will not be satisfied. You're giving me some grape leaves, and that's all you got. That's all you got. You know what I'm saying? I see, I see. Like, when, you see <laughs> when you see a piece of delicious meat, you just want a, a real portion. I see. I see. You're saying you're still starving, right? Okay, that's yeah. true too. It doesn't have to do with the nutrition. It has to do with the uh, uh, whether you're. It's all about mates of How you feeling in your mind? Right. Right. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Maskevle Rava, because So now there's the one other aspect that we're going to deal with. Just two more lines of this, and that is what's the amount of time that you're given to eat. And we've said, like, if you uh, eat a small amount now and then the, uh, a few hours later they give you a small amount, it doesn't add up. You're still starving. So where do we get that from? So Masile, Rabba, Kazayas, we say an olive, Kadeya Achilles Pras. That's a certain amount of time that it would take a person to eat. And a date is also Kadeya Achilles Pras. There's this amount of time to, to eat within uh, that if you spread it out, it's not considered eating. And I think I mentioned to you when people uh, feel a need to break the fast and they get a heter from the rub, so they're told, like, take a sip and wait. I have to look it up. Is it four minutes or five minutes? There's a certain amount that different rabbanim give to wait until they take another sip. So um, why is it that when you're dealing with an olive size, you use that amount of time, and when you're dealing with the date size, you use that amount of time? Shouldn't it depend on the food, the amount of time it takes to eat? It comes back to that. When you eat within a, a certain amount of time, you look at it like it's one eating. If it's more time than that, if it's spread out, it's all psychology. A person isn't satisfied. Rabba has a question. Even if you eat half an amount, we give you that time. That has to do with the laws of Toma. Uh, and uh, when a person eats something, Tomei, and you can't really ask from that, that's not Minatora. Ay, what do you mean it's not Minatora? The Torah says, if you eat those foods, you are curtain, you are impure. So certainly that's Minatora. So he says, no, that's Midrabanan, that's Rabbinic, and the, pers- the, the idea that how long you have to eat it uh, was rabbinic. And there, that's just a hint to that in the Torah. So th- some of this is, or at least the laws of the, um, of the eating food that makes you tummy, and the rabbi said a certain amount of time, that's rabbinic. Whereas getting back to Yom Kippur, that was Torah. Okay, so then we said kola ochlin. Uh, we mentioned other foods are typically, um, if a person ate something non kosher, the amount is an olive size. Again, let's talk about a, a nevela carcass or of uh, shrimp, uh, of, of, uh, of a creature that's forbidden. So, Amra Papa, well, how do you count the olive size? What is, does it just go for the food or does it go with the, um, uh, the stuff on the food? So he says, What if you add the meat and the salt, it's an olive size. But if you remove the salt, it's not an olive size. 
So Rapapa said, Ochol milka mitzaref, the meat, the, the, the meat and the salt would add together. So if we want to figure out if we're going to give this guy a lashing, and he says, wait, I was, I was very careful to only eat less than an olive size of pepperoni, right? So you're going to, me- if, you, if you put a little salt on and the salt carries it to the olive size, then he's in trouble. Now the question is, you don't actually eat the salt. The salt sometimes gets, uh, um, falls off. Even to Okli Inchi, and you, don't, you wouldn't really call salt food, but since that's the way you eat it, mitzvah, and it adds together. And he brings a proof, similar. Uh, what if you're eating a vegetable, and if a vegetable itself is less than a date size, but if you add the juice, uh, then it is. So uh, the, the juice on top of the veggie, mitzvah, mitzvah, Let's say you dip the veggie in, uh, in salad dressing and then you eat it on Yom Kippur. You're in trouble. So pshita, of course, that's, uh, the juice is a liquid. I mean, it's food. So Umar said, It's not food, it's drink. You're drinking salad dressing. If, if you eat it with your food, it's food. In other words, when you dip your uh, celery into uh, salad dressing, that salad dressing isn't a drink at that moment. Uh, any liquid that's eaten on food is food. Uh, okay, okay, that's... Rabbi mm-hmm. does that give us a problem on Pesach with Karpas? With eating the mount? You know what I'm saying? So in other words, what if the celery or whatever I'm dipping is less than a kazais, but then when I dip it in the salt water now... Mm-hmm. Anyway, whatever. Right. There, there is a concept on... There's different things on Pesach about... Some people are careful not to eat a kazayas of karpas, so you'd measure your kazayas with the uh, with the dip. <laughs> Correct. Right, with the sauce. So if you were one of the, if you were trying to eat less than that olive size, and you'd have to measure it with whatever liquids it was. Yeah. Uh, one final thing, fascinating halacha though. Why, um, why would it be, Rabbi, so why would it be a problem to eat more than a kazayas of karpas before the seder? Because um, then you might have to make a bracha achrona. A brain of fashos, and there's it's debatable if you would make it there or wait, and so you just usually we say look at the instructions in your haggadah. <laughs> if your haggadah says if you um, some haggadahs give more rules than others, uh, so if it says try not to eat uh, more than that at this point, so that would be the reason. So we're just saying that you'd have to measure the size together with the with the sauce. Yeah. Okay. 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 I got it. So one final halacha, fascinating halacha. That um, this is called um, uh, it's called achila gasa, eating too much, and uh, I I think Americans do it quite often. Uh, in other words, eating is usually you're hungry or you need energy, and therefore you put food in your mouth, and that's called eating. What about if eating is torture? You don't really want to eat, uh, and for certain reasons you do. So this happens sometimes. Shabbos, you think you're done eating, and then the hostess brings out other food. And you don't want to insult her, and they put it in front of you, and you, but this is agony for you to eat this food. So guess what? You, you really, um, let's say you make a bracha on dessert. You really can't make a bracha on food. Thank you, Hashem, for such delicious food. And it's really torture. And you're only eating it because you know the hostess will get insulted. So you can't make a bracha on that food. That's called a chilugasa. Similarly, Let's say there are people that do, when I was, we were much younger, we used to do this, 
before a fast, you would like stuff yourself to try to eat as much food as possible, thinking that you'll have an easier fast. Today, we know it really doesn't work that way. It could even go against you. But I remember as teenagers, sometimes for Yom Kippur, you would have another piece of bread, another piece, you know. So let's say you're stuffing yourself and you didn't realize, and another thing that teenagers tend to do is that they look at the clock and if it's like a minute before Yom Kippur, they take one more drink. It's psychological. Oh, I, I, I only have a minute left, so I got to throw some more water in there some more. Otherwise, it's going to be a... So what happens if their clock was off and they ended up taking that final drink or that final food they stuffed in was after the time where you're not allowed to eat? And they a- actually ended up breaking their fast before they started. So is that called eating? So there's a concept like this. If eating is torture, it's not called eating. That's called achilagasa. So, um, let's see. So, Omeresh Lakesh, Ocha Achilagasa Biyomikipurin. So, if this person, he felt terrible, he was stuffing himself before Yom Kippur, and he didn't look at the, he got the wrong time, and he ended up eating on Yom Kippur. So, the good news is, if it was Achilagasa, we're not going to throw the book at him. Why? Asher lo suna, Ksiv. It says, you will not unafflict yourself. Prat Lamazik, over here, you tortured yourself. Uh, mazik means you damaged yourself. So eating in a way that you really don't want, that's called mazik, that's not called, eat, that's not called unafflicting yourself. Uh, and I was usually eating means satisfying. If you ate something that really was just, you know, was not pleasant to eat, that's not called eating. Omri Yomish and a similar halacha, zor, if you're a non-Kohen and you eat truma, gasa, and you ate more than you should, you ate a, a large amount. So you have to pay back the Kohen, but you don't get the penalty. You don't get, the, uh, how do we know that? Because by Truma, it says, if you steal a Kohen's Truma food, you got to pay it back. But not where you ate it in a way that was not to your benefit. Eating is defined by something that benefits you, not when it's torture when you're eating too much. Okay, we will stop here on the last line. A lot of fascinating halacha concepts uh, today. Uh, in the shirim, in the amounts of eating, eating for Yom Kippur, eating and drinking, eating in the right amount of time, eating enough to become impure. And what if you're a bigger person? Does it go by the person or is, is there a set amount? And then finally, if a person eats too much, at that point, it's no longer halakhically called eating. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is a hilagasa. 